Hello, you sexy sat stackers, and welcome to the Bitcoin Bulletin Podcast. Today is Wednesday, February 23rd, 2022, and that means it is DCA Wednesday. Are you ready to get your stack on? This podcast is for information and entertainment purposes only. Nothing on this podcast should be construed as financial advice. All views expressed on this podcast are solely the opinions of the host and or any guests that we might have from time to time. Nothing on this podcast should be construed as a specific inducement to make a particular investment or to follow a particular investing strategy. What an interesting week it's been. You've got Russia in Ukraine and Marty Bent on Tucker Carlson's show on Fox News. I would say, well, until just the other day, I'd say the Canadian Freedom Trucker Convoy and all that happened with Gary Trudeau declaring basically the Canadian equivalent of martial law and uh, Bitcoin taking the place of the GoFundMe and uh, the other fundraisers for the Canadian truckers uh, until the whole Ukraine thing uh, finally broke loose. But Before we get into that, real quick, a look at the stats. Again, today is February 23rd, 2022. We are sitting at a block height of 724,683, and Bitcoin is currently worth $36,700 a coin, or 27.25 Moscow time, 2,725 sats per cuck buck. And A stat we added last week is the price of oil in Bitcoin is up. Last week it was 215,000 sats per barrel. Today it is 266,150 sats per barrel. And that is because the price of oil has soared, uh, allegedly because of the whole Ukraine situation. Uh, But oil's been going up steadily. Of course, everything's been going up steadily with the uh, admitted official inflation rate of around 7% now, uh, and oil, of course, up substantially more than that. If you've noticed that it cost $60 to $80 to fill up your car recently, that is why. That is definitely more than up 7% from last year. Bitcoin currently has a market capitalization of $696.1 billion. That is significantly below that $1 trillion market cap, and that is because it's been 105 days since Bitcoin hit that all-time high of $69,000, And we are down 46.8% from that. I was looking at the headlines and it was something like, oh my goodness, the market's crashed. It's over. We've completely erased all of our gains for the year. We're at the lowest point we've been in a year. And then I realized I was looking at the Dow Jones Industrial Average. Psych. That's the stock market. People keep saying that Bitcoin is uh, linked to the stock market and uh, other people say, well, of course it is because Bitcoin's still in the price discovery phase. That being said, historically, every time Bitcoin has crashed in correlation with the stock market, it has outperformed the stock market on the rebound. If you look at the March 2020 lockdown crash, Bitcoin recovered almost immediately. It took the stock market about six months to do what Bitcoin did in about a month. The mem pool, however, is completely clear. Well, not really clear. There's 847 transactions pending, which is almost clear. Uh, those will easily clear in the next block. Obviously, one sat per byte transactions will still clear. And that is because the 24-hour transaction rate is 
clocking in at 2.95 transactions per second. That is below that magic number of three transactions per second that you know I like to see. Last week we were at 3.13 transactions per second. Uh, two weeks ago it was 3.09. Two weeks before that it was 3.16. So anything above three I consider healthy. Anything above 3.1 is maybe a little better gauge of, of healthy on uh, healthy on-chain tra- transaction volume. Of course, that is on-chain transaction volume, and we may consider to see uh, continue to see that drop with the adoption of the Lightning Network. Reflecting back to the Canadian trucker convoy situation, um, if you looked at the number of donations that were taken in, uh, and you can do that because they purposely used a fixed address and were very open in the amount of Bitcoin they were taking in. They didn't want to be accused of stealing any of the Bitcoin or misusing any of the Bitcoin, so they set out to be uh, clear and to be visible. They didn't. They purposely uh, set out not to obfuscate any of the transactions. And whether or not that comes back to bite them or not uh, remains to be seen. There are some developments in the Canadian situation. Apparently, Prime Minister Trudeau has been uh, maybe backed into rescinding some of the restrictions and unfreezing some of the bank accounts. Those reports are kind of early, so I'm not 100% sure exactly what that situation is. Uh, so that is an ongoing situation, remains to be seen. The point being, uh, they were very transparent in their donation collection. And one of the things that we learned from that is that while the vast majority of the money, uh, dollar value of what was raised was on chain, the vast majority of the transactions, somewhere in the neighborhood of 65% or more, were on lightning. And those transactions obviously would not reflect in that 2.95 transactions per second metric because on-chain tracks on-chain transactions only include when you open and close a channel while using the Lightning Network, and you can keep your channels open indefinitely for all intents and purposes and make as many transactions as you want, and those would never reflect in on-chain volume. That being said, it's pretty cool that um, that they were able to use Lightning to uh, fund a peaceful protest or what was a peaceful protest until the police moved in. Uh, you can think what you want to think about the pandemic situation and whether the truckers were justified or not. But one thing I don't think you can deny, period, is that that was not a peaceful uh, protest, peaceful civil disobedience. Uh, you, I've seen news stories where, well, they interviewed one weeping, one weeping a female subject that was talking about how she couldn't get her coffee, she didn't feel safe. Of course, there was nobody in the background, not even a truck in the background. Way off in the distance, you could hear some heart, uh, some horns honking, but obviously there was no mob there threatening her. But nonetheless, she was weeping, feeling like she was unsafe and couldn't leave her house even to go get a coffee. And then, of course, you see the other videos where it was just a big party. They had saunas set up. They had bouncy castles. Whatever. Regardless, you never saw it. What you never saw is you never saw any buildings burning. You never saw anyone get shot. You didn't see any of the things you saw going on during the Black Lives Matter protests. You never saw any of the Antifa tactics, anybody getting sucker punched, hit over the back of the head with bike locks. None of that. Yet, for whatever reason, Canada decided for the first time in their history to invoke martial law over the trucker convoy. And uh, I don't care whether you agree with them or not. That should scare you. Um, And I don't know if Justin Trudeau is backing down or if he's just accomplished his goals 
and it's time to move on and pretend like he's a victor. I said all along he was going to drop the COVID mandates the moment the trucker convoy protest was over, but that he would never give in because the one thing I've learned from watching U.S. politics, at least since the Clinton playbook was opened, is that you never admit fault, you were never wrong, you never apologize, and you never back down. And just like in China, the great leaders, the supreme leaders, are never to show weakness. Admitting you're wrong, or even meeting with the truckers, which is something he never once did, ever. He didn't even meet with them and say, sorry, we disagree. He flat out refused to even open dialogue. That is how communist China operates. That is how dictators operate. And uh, I think regardless, again, regardless of how you feel, one thing that I've heard almost universally is that that was surprising as hell coming from our notoriously polite neighbors up north. Nobody ever saw that coming in Canada. One former previously anti-Bitcoiner who said he was eating some humble pie on Twitter yesterday or the day before specifically referenced the fact that it was Canada that blew his mind. He said that if something like that had happened in the United States under Trump, for example, nobody would be able to, you know, nobody would be, nobody would be shocked. Everybody was expecting the mean orange band to do something like along those lines. Uh, and that you could very easily say in, in Europe and the rest of the world, well, that won't happen here because we're nothing like what's going on in the United States. But Canada and Europe have a lot in common. And if it could happen in Canada, of all places, there's no reason to expect that that same sort of thing would not happen in France, Europe, anywhere in Europe, France, Germany, the Netherlands. Well, some would argue it's already happening in Germany and the Netherlands. But again, this is not a conspiracy theory podcast, and this isn't a coof podcast either, and that's not what I'm here to talk about. Uh, but it did make itself, uh, it did it did thrust it did thrust Bitcoin into the news, and it did make a lot of people realize for the first time exactly what Bitcoin's true value proposition is, and that's uncensorable, unconfiscatable money. Even though the Canadian government issued seizure orders, blacklisting, quote-unquote, the wallet addresses that were involved in the uh, Bitcoin uh, Hong Kong HODL fundraiser, uh, they, they can't actually seize that Bitcoin. If it's not on Coinbase, not on a, on a third-party custodian, there's nothing they can do about it other than wave their blacklisted numbers around in news conferences. Now, because they made those addresses public, they can harass the people who have them. If you ever take Bitcoin from that blacklisted address, send it to Coinbase and try and cash it out. You'll probably get a nasty gram from the Canadian government. If you're in Canada, you'll probably get a visit from the Royal Canadian Mounted Police. Who knows? Uh, but that's not a flaw inherent in Bitcoin. That is only possible because they chose specifically to uh, to use a to use the same address over and over again for donations because they wanted transparency. They wanted to prove they were being honest in their fundraiser that it wasn't a scam. If you are using Bitcoin in that manner. You are giving up a lot of the privacy it affords you. There are obviously ways that it could have been done more privately. A lot of people are judging at Nobody Caribou and at BTC Sessions, etc. on Twitter for having set it up that way. I, however, completely understand why they did because they could very easily be accused of having been a scam of just using this to siphon up a bunch of Bitcoin for their nefarious purposes uh, if it was obfuscated as to where that Bitcoin went. So... That's about that for Canada, um, but again, that 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 remains to be at least the top 
two stories of the week, if, if not the top story of the week for, what, the third week in a row. Uh, other things happening in the news right now, well, not in the news per se, but a little bit more fun than what's going on in Canada. Did you have a happy Tuesday yesterday? And if you're a number nerd, if, you're, if you are fascinated by numbers like I am, and a lot of us are if you're into Bitcoin, you probably have an affinity for numbers already and not just number go up. Yesterday, Tuesday, T-W-O-S-D-A-Y, 2-2-22, was one of those unique days in history where uh, the numbers align. Of course, it was really 2-2-2-0-2-2 if you take into account the 2022, but most people say it was 2 2 um, I guess if you want to be a stickler, we'll have to come back in 200 years to celebrate 2-2-2-2-2-2, but uh, anyway, that was just kind of a fun day. It wasn't exactly pizza day, but there's a lot of people out there that I know celebrate Pi Day, 314, etc. Definitely a lot of Bitcoiners celebrate 420, so it's just another one of those fun number things. Bitcoin is back down again this week. It had bumped up to around 44,000 in between our last purchase and this week's stacking show. Uh, well, we last last two weeks we actually purchased, the previous two weeks in a row we actually purchased around 44,000, and it was still there until just the other day. Last night, it had crashed down to 36,000 or so before bouncing all the way back up to almost 40,000 this morning. I almost recorded the show early this morning, but I had a very loud parrot outside my office, and uh, I just couldn't get the show recorded without incredibly obnoxious background interference. And I'm glad that I didn't, because Bitcoin's down about $3,000 again since then. It's like I said, it's currently right around uh, $36,700 per coin. And that looks like it's going to put it about the second or third cheapest we've ever purchased. And that's one of the cool things about dollar cost averaging. While our overall investment is going to be down because we bought all the way up, we are taking advantage of buying the dip or at least buying the downhill slope. And that is cool because we're going to stack a lot more sats than we did when Bitcoin was 69,000. So if you're new to this show, if you don't know uh, what dollar cost averaging is, DCA or dollar cost averaging is an investment strategy where you invest your money in equal portions at regular intervals regardless of price. For example, this is gonna be our 31st stack. We started stacking on Wednesday, July 28th last summer, and we chose a regular interval of Wednesdays and we chose a regular portion of a regular amount to invest, and that's 20 US dollars. And $20 isn't a lot of money. It might not seem like very much to you at all, depending where you're listening. If you're listening in the United States or Europe, $20 isn't a lot of money. And with the inflation we've got going on right now, it's 7% less than it was last year. But for other people, $20 is a lot of money. Once again on Reddit, just a few minutes ago, I was reading and there was a person asking, is it too late to get in? Is it okay if I only invest $100 or whatever the amount may be? And a lot of times you hear people say, just DCA, just DCA. And the mantra is, time in the markets beats timing the markets every time it's tried. And that is the theory behind dollar cost averaging. While this is not investment advice, and I refer you back to the disclaimer at the beginning of the show, we are testing out the DCA theory on this show. We've been stacking every Wednesday, like I said, since July 28th, and while it was easy to look like a genius during the bull run, we are down a little bit right now, but dollar cost averaging is a long-term strategy. And if you are into DCA, great. If you're not, 
we're DCAing for you. Well, not for you, but we're doing the we're doing the experimentation for you to observe, and you can follow along, and judge for yourself. Is dollar cost average something that you'd be interested in? They say do your own research. Hopefully, watching our show will help you make your research a little bit easier. You can see how it's going for us. And while past performance is never a guarantee of future results, um, I think that we will. Well, we're already starting to we're already starting to show the advantage of the dollar cost averaging. But again, this is a long term play. You should never plan on investing any money that you're going to need right away in anything, really, because everybody needs a basic amount of money to survive. Uh, and you don't want money tied up in any investment, let alone Bitcoin, that you might need to pay your rent in a couple of weeks or to buy groceries or cover a, a flat tire or buy that increasingly expensive tank of gasoline. Certainly never invest any money you can afford to lose. When I first heard about Bitcoin, uh, my thinking was I, I had no idea whether it was going to succeed or not. I thought it was a great idea. I thought maybe it could succeed one day. And I thought, well, why not just throw in $20 because... You know, I'd blow $20 going to a movie or going out to dinner, you know, going to Starbucks, whatever. And so this is money that that I'm not going to have tomorrow anyway. So why not put it in Bitcoin and and, uh, it, and I'm not missing out on anything if it goes to zero. That's part of the other reason we chose $20 for this stack. Uh, and uh, so do your own research. You do you. But the important thing is you pick a dollar amount that you feel comfortable throwing away if need be and that you do your investment regularly. Um, don't try and time the market because that is the fastest way to get wrecked, as they say. Uh, if you want to gamble, if you feel like, you know, if you're a gambler, if you feel like making bets, uh, bet on the Super Bowl or go to Las Vegas because Bitcoin is sneaky. Just when you think it's going to go up, it can go down and vice versa. And that's why you see so many longs and shorts liquidated. And that's part of the reason you see a lot of this volatility in Bitcoin it's because once Bitcoin moves, either the longs or the shorts get liquidated and those sales get, they cascade and it can cause um, a dump in the price. Or as people are forced to purchase Bitcoin to cover a position, it, it, it just, it causes it to just run. And that's why we see, that's one of the reasons why we see these huge, huge swings in Bitcoin. All right. Um, well, along those lines, along Bitcoin price, uh, along the Bitcoin price news and 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 for some of the reasons for why Bitcoin's moving. If you follow Ecoinometrics on Twitter, that's at Ecoinometrics. He tweeted yesterday, or they tweeted yesterday, uh, a graphic with a little bit of information about who's stacking and who's selling, saying that while hodlers keep stacking their sats, the whales are not, calling this a, quote, pretty familiar picture. And um, if you look at the graph that they, the, the chart that they, they posted with that, you can see the times when uh, the times and price levels when the whales start accumulating, and then when they dump, and when they accumulate and they dump, and we're we're actually looking like we're getting close to that area where where traditionally, according to that chart, the whales have started stacking again. So, a lot of people call it you know pump, dump, and repeat. That the, they think the whales are doing this on purpose. They they buy low and they foam they foam with the price up, uh, you know, ten grand or so, and then they dump and the price tanks again and they buy again. A lot of people believe that the governments around the world that are fudding Bitcoin are doing it for the same reason because they're secretly stacking, and or maybe even trading, and that they they the news comes out especially when China was banning Bitcoin over and over again. A lot of the conspiracy theory out there was that um, China would FUD, 
buy a bunch of Bitcoin, then ease off the restrictions. Bitcoin would soar. They would sell. They would FUD again. Repeat. Along those lines, also in the news, Russia's proposed Bitcoin bill is going to prohibit self-custody. Um, that just prompted me to believe uh, to notice when they say stupid things in the in these articles like self-custody wallets. All wallets are self-custody. Custodial Bitcoin just means you put your Bitcoin into someone else's wallet. If you keep your Bitcoin on, on Coinbase, for example, that is not custodial Bitcoin. It's self-custody. It's just you're not the self. Coinbase is self-custodying your Bitcoin and giving you an IOU. Bitcoin is inherently self-custody. Custodial solutions have only arisen as rent-seeking parasites trying to become the shovel salesman of the gold rush. You know, they, the saying was the people who made the real money in the gold rush weren't the average person that was out there with picks and shovels. It was Levi Strauss selling them blue jeans so that they wouldn't wear out their pants, you know, digging and mining. It was the shovel salesmen. It was the, the assayers that would weigh and certify the gold. It was the saloons and the brothels that uh, the miners spent their hard-earned gold on. Well, um... I guess on to what we're here for. That is to get our stack on. As usual, we are going to stack with the Cash App. Cash App is not a sponsor of the show, but you know I love Cash App because it makes stacking just so easy. They'll let you automate your stack, but as you know, I do not. Um, that's why my show varies during the time of day because I don't have it set up to just auto DCA at a specific time. You can do that. They make that easy. It's probably less stressful and it's certainly a lot easier, but... I'm a uh, I'm a glutton for punishment, I guess, and I like to I like to not take the advice to not watch the price and watch the price relentlessly. Whether that's good or not for your health remains to be determined, but I like to watch the price. They say that uh, well, gold bugs say that the one thing they like about gold over Bitcoin is you can hold it in your hand, you can feel it. It's tactile. It makes it feel more real, and I just feel personally by opening up the app, looking at the price, clicking buy. It just makes it feel more real for me. So I get that I get that satisfaction from making the purchase manually. Uh, Cash App is not necessarily the cheapest place to buy your Bitcoin. There are other places, uh, there are other apps that don't charge as high of a fee. They charge around two and a quarter percent. But for example, Strike is technically free, but they do charge a spread because obviously they have to make a profit. And when you're investing a small amount, that spread and the two and a quarter percent fee uh, can work out to about the same amount. Plus, Cash App will let you transfer your Bitcoin to your hardware wallet for free when you've accumulated the amount that you feel is big enough to move to your wallet. And while everyone is a big proponent on self-custody, you hear it now more than ever, get your, get your Bitcoin off the exchanges, keep your Bitcoin in your own wallet, not your keys, not your cheese, not your keys, not your coins, whichever phrase you've heard most recently, or whichever one appeals to you. At the same time, 50,000 sats is probably too small to send to your hardware wallet because if we ever get into a situation where fees are anywhere near as high as they were in 2017, it's going to cost you 50,000 sats to move those sats. So I personally don't move my sats to a hardware wallet until I have a couple of buys in or larger buys, maybe a more like a million sats or at least 500,000 sats. Again, that's something for you to decide on your own. But keep in mind that when you go to move your sats off your hardware wallet, uh, you will pay a mining fee for that. 
and that's going to eat some of your set. So you want to have enough in there that that's a very negligible portion of your transaction. You wouldn't want to spend $10 worth of Satoshis to cash out $10 worth of Satoshis or $20 worth of Satoshis and end up spending 50% of it on mining fees. So hopefully we'll never see the fees as high as we saw in 2017. Segwit and, um, and, um, and a, and a few more improvements since then have dramatically reduced the possibility of that ever occurring again. That's why the mempool is, open, is, is so clear, for example. Finally, some of these larger exchanges have started batching their transactions. Back in the day, some of these uh, custodial solutions were sending every individual transaction as an individual on-chain transaction, and that was bloating uh, the mempool. That was sending more, more transactions through than the mempool could handle, and hence, since there are um, more transactions than can be processed, people would pay more fees so that they could be in the next chain if they were in a hurry to move their sats. And that was uh, one of those vicious cycles that just fees got out of control. I think at one point in time, I looked at moving some coin in 2017, and it was going to cost me $53 to move my Bitcoin. And I was only looking at moving about $300 in Bitcoin. So that was a big no, and I would not want you to get caught in that situation. So again, take that into account. When you move your coin off of Cash App, it will let you do it for free, and that is cool. And that's one of the reasons why we are using Cash App. But when you go to move it again, whether you move it to a different one of your wallets or whether you need to cash some out and you move it to an exchange, you'll be paying a mining fee then. Uh, and right now, the last time I moved an on-chain transaction, uh, it was about seven cents. So that's not too shabby. That's not too bad at all. But don't count on that always being the case. Um, and therefore, I don't move any coins unless I'm closer to a million or 500,000 sat range minimum. Uh, and that's a side tangent. Again, we're going to stack uh, today and we're going to do so using the Cash App. So first of all, I'm going to open up the Cash App and I usually don't keep any money on my Cash App. But one of the great things about it is they'll let me put, they'll let me put transfer US dollars to my Cash App immediately. And I can use that to buy Bitcoin if you want to buy stocks, if you want to use it with your, if you, they, they'll issue you a debit card so you can spend that cash if you want to uh, use it to go buy dinner, whatever. It's cool because as soon as I click add $20, it's there instantaneously. Uh, in this case, I have a debit card linked to the cash app. I think you can link a, a checking account, a debit card. There's numerous ways you can set that up. Um, but it's cool because again, if you transfer money to an exchange via wire transfer, which a lot of them require for cash transactions, they're going to make you wait three to five days before you can buy Bitcoin with your money. Or even some of the exchanges that will let you buy instantly will hold that Bitcoin and won't let you move it for a week or two weeks until they confirm that, your, that the money that you gave them uh, settles, finalizes, and that it doesn't bounce and that um, the money's really there. So uh, it's very antiquated legacy in that matter, a lot of the exchanges. And Cash App is not. So... Cash App, Jack Dorsey, you're still doing good things, and we're going to keep using your app. So I've got the Cash App open. I've added 20 bucks. The next step is to go all the way to the right to the Bitcoin logo. Uh, a couple months ago, they added the ability to buy stocks. So there's a little Dow Jonesy graph-looking button there, and that's not Bitcoin. That is stocks. So click on the B logo. Click Buy. Click $20. It's going to ask you to click Next and then Confirm. 
and it says we are going to purchase 52,893 sats bitcoins uh it has gone down a tiny bit up a tiny bit nope down a tiny bit when we started the show bitcoin was 36,700 so we're going to purchase 36,961 dollars 41 cents that is still the second cheapest we will have ever purchased bitcoin the second most number of sats we will ever have gotten for our $20. Uh, um, so that's really cool. And that's going to lower our, our average purchase a bit, hopefully. Hit confirm. And boom, just like that, we've got another 52,893 sats. And that brings our total stack up to 1,276,203 sats worth $471.70. Um, that obviously is not anywhere near the $620 we've invested so far, but it did drop our average cost basis down from $49,047 to $48,581.61. So the average price we paid for Bitcoin now has been decreased by $465.65. So when Bitcoin goes back above $48,581, we are back in the green, and hopefully we will see that soon. Definitely, we will see that within the next four years, in my humble opinion, because we're only two years away from the next halving, and it's all going to start again. If you believe in the four-year cycle the, based around the Bitcoin halving, where the, uh, the mining reward gets reduced by half every four years, therefore affecting stock-to-flow or the supply and demand, the miners are basically the supply of Bitcoin because most of the selling going on out there is miners selling Bitcoin to at least the theory is that miners selling Bitcoin because if you're a big mining company, you don't just you can't just mine into a wallet because you've got to pay rent, you've got to pay for the electricity, you've got to pay for maintenance, you've got to pay payroll. So they have to sell at least some of the Bitcoin that they're mining, and that goes into exchanges. And every two years, the amount of Bitcoin that miners get for mining a block, it gets cut in half. So um, with that last halving that occurred in 2020, we're now approximately at the same uh, monetary inflation rate as gold, meaning every year more more gold is mined out of the earth and therefore the total supply of gold increases a little bit. And the same thing with Bitcoin. Every year more Bitcoin is mined, so the total supply available, even though it will never exceed 21,000, uh, increases by what's available. And while a lot of it is getting sucked up and tucked away by hodlers, uh, the supply on the, on the what's available to, for, for sale on the exchanges uh, it takes it's impacted by having less new Bitcoin. So uh, every four years, that having cycle has been followed about a year later by an all-time high, a tremendous run-up, and then of course by a subsequent bear market. So uh, whether or not we're in the next bear market, whether this is going to be a double top like 2013, all of that remains to be seen. We don't try and guess the price. We're not trying to trade here. We're dollar cost averaging. And the reason we're dollar cost averaging is because time in the markets beats timing the markets, or at least that's the theory. So if you're planning on holding this Bitcoin for any length of time, history shows that if you purchase Bitcoin four years ago, it's always worth more four years in the future. So if we, bit, if we purchased in 2018, Bitcoin was worth nowhere near you know, $30,000. In fact, the highest ever got in the 2017 bull run was under 20, right? So um, it's worth a lot more than it was four years ago. And in the, if the same theory applies, 
then four years from now, your Bitcoin is going to be worth a lot more than that 48,000 because um, every new all-time high has been higher than the previous all-time high. It went from somewhere around, what, 2,000 or 3,500 or whatever it was to almost 20,000 and then up to 69,000 this time around. So if the next all-time high is 100,000 or 200,000 or whatever the case may be, obviously that's higher than 48,581. And if Bitcoin does go to that moon one day, you know, the definition of the moon has changed. Back in the day, the, the OGs said $1,000 would have been the moon. $20,000 sure felt like the moon in 2017. But now I think generally when most people say Bitcoin to the moon, they're thinking a million dollars, $10 million, whatever a coin. Um, if Bitcoin takes over as the new gold and, and as the boomers retire and, and the millennials and Generation Z inherit the Bitcoin, they inherit their parents, their grandparents' wealth. The thought is millennials love tech. Zoomers love tech. A lot of them are more comfortable and believe more in Bitcoin than they believe in gold. So a lot of that money will go from being invested in gold to being invested in Bitcoin. If that happens, the $500,000 to $1 million coin predictions are not that unreasonable at all. If Bitcoin does hit that thousand, I'm sorry, to a million, if Bitcoin does hit that million dollar moon, our current stack would be valued at $12,762. And that is a heck of a return for a $620 investment. So who knows? We'll see. This is a giant experiment. I firmly believe that Bitcoin is either going to go to the moon or go to zero. I don't think there's an in-between where Bitcoin just becomes this thing that still exists, but doesn't really go anywhere. It either has a use case or it doesn't have a use case. If it has a use case, I see it changing the world. And if it changes the world, more people are going to want it. And since there's only 21 million coins ever available, you do the math. You know, there's more than 21 million millionaires in the in the world, as they say. So if every millionaire wanted to own just one coin, they cannot. So rarity, when things become rare and sought after, they get expensive. Think baseball cards, think priceless paintings, think expensive bottles of wine, and you can start to see why there's potential here. All right, that is about all we have to get into today, unless you want to hear me rate, uh, rant more about the Canadian truckers or about the Ukraine situation. I still don't have a clue what's going on in Ukraine. I mean, I know what's going on in Ukraine, but I don't have a crystal ball to know why it's going on in Ukraine is this a big bluff? Is it a is is it a is it a paper tiger? Is this a situation where um, the Biden administration and the European Union knew exactly what Ukraine was going to do, and they're and they're exaggerating and or, but what Russia's going to do, and they're exaggerating, saying that Russia's going to do worse than that they're going to do. Like really, all that Russia was planning on doing was backing the separatist rebels. But Biden says, oh, there's going to be World War III. And then when there isn't World War III and what happens is only what Putin has been saying is going to happen all along, then he can say, oh, look, we won. Isn't this great? I did something. Reelect me. Or is Putin really a maniacal evil dictator, hell-bent on storming Ukraine and then maybe Poland next and are we going to end up in World War III? I don't know. I guess that remains to be seen. But I can tell you regardless what happens, despite the fact that it's causing Bitcoin to plunge in value, or allegedly that's one of the causes for Bitcoin's decline. It's certainly being given as the reason for the decline in the stock market. Uh, regardless of what happens, ultimately, chaos, war, authoritarian crackdowns are good for Bitcoin. That is the environment that Bitcoin was meant to thrive in. Currently, 
shaky situation scare weak handed American investors who are not used to adversity, the sort of people who would not know what to do if the water turned off tomorrow and was not going to turn back on. Uh, there are parts of the country where they're used to natural disasters and the power goes out for a couple of weeks or the water goes out for a couple of weeks and they've adapted to that. But New York City, Los Angeles, Dallas are not those places. M you know, Munich, Paris are not those places. If we ever see true chaos, uh, well, as long as the Internet's around <laughs> or ham radio or whatever technology they use in the past Bitcoin around, that's going to be about the only thing out there that's worth anything anymore. Uh, you can carry bags of gold coins around and hopefully somebody will believe you that it's really gold and will will exchange you whatever you need for that gold. Um, I would say more likely they're going to rob you of that gold. But uh, Bitcoin thrives and Bitcoin will um, do better ultimately in the situations of certain uncertainty and authoritarianism. So regardless of the fact that all of this is driving the price of Bitcoin now downward. Uh, I don't think that in the long term, any of this is bad for Bitcoin. Personally, one conspiracy, I've, one conspiracy theory I've heard out there as to why the Ukraine situation is being turned into such a kerfuffle is because remember a few years ago when it was said that Hunter Biden had a lot of business dealings in Ukraine over the energy industry and that he was going to be brought up on corruption charges and certain government officials leaned on Ukraine to drop the charges might not be in the best interest of the United States for Russia to come in and take over Ukraine and maybe have some leverage on the president of the United States. I mean, if you could ever blackmail a person in a position of power, threatening to throw their son in prison would probably be one of those things that you could, you could wield a lot of leverage with. So I don't know. There are a lot of possibilities. Ukraine is a dynamic situation. And I don't think even the people on the ground in Ukraine know what's going on based on the fact that they are giving conflicting, uh, sending conflicting messages. The president of Ukraine uh, begging for help at the moment, but just a week ago saying that the United States is making a big deal out of it and we were causing chaos and fear and that we needed to shut up and let Ukraine handle its own situation. So I guess I could rant, rant about that all day, and I kind of already did. But that's not really why we're here. We were here to stack Bitcoin, and we did. So we got our stack on. Hopefully you got your stack on. We will see you in the near future. If nothing else, we will see you again on Wednesday because we're going to keep stacking Bitcoin every Wednesday till Bitcoin either goes to zero, it goes to the moon, or you get bored and stop listening. So once again, thanks for listening, and keep on stacking those sats, you sexy sat stackers.